when I was door knocking, that was hard, man. I mean, they could see me. They know who I am. Mm -hmm. They know how Mm -hmm. I look. Like if I see them at Target, they know that this guy was knocking on my door, you know, like a cold call is a little lighter, right? They don't know who you are. You're just behind a phone. So, I mean, I think it's pretty convenient. And again, you know, it just gets you better at sales. Welcome to XN State. Where's the greatest opportunity in real estate today? That's what I need to know. We'll hear from industry leaders with boots in the ground and skin in the game. Who's winning? How are they winning? Stick around and we'll find out right here on XN State. Welcome to XN State. This is your host, JCQ, and this is episode number four. Today, we welcome another guest that is seeing plenty of success in the world of multifamily acquisition and redevelopment. He is the founder of Optimum Buyers, Adrian Salazar. Adrian entered the world of real estate through wholesaling. We go into what that is later on in the show until he had saved enough cash through wholesaling to put into a multifamily project of his own. What I love about Adrian's story is how he has earned his way through his own hard work and sweat, beginning as a wholesaler and now acquiring and redeveloping multifamily properties, spending time at the properties every single day and still using that hands-on approach, which is what it takes to be a successful real estate investor. Today, Adrian and his team are actively looking for off-market opportunities for new multifamily acquisitions to expand their presence in the South Central Texas markets. During the conversation, we dive into the best way to get your hands on off-market acquisition opportunities, how to get units renovated as fast as possible, Adrian's background in the construction industry, and how the expertise that he developed during that stage in his career has allowed him to move more confidently as a real estate investor. We discuss the importance of having the right mindset and what Adrian does to stay sharp and able to perform at a high level consistently. It's a very fun interview. Adrian brings great energy to the show with a ton of great information on getting started in real estate. Without further ado, here is today's guest, Adrian Salazar. Adrian, how are you doing today? It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Good. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Excited to share some value. I'm excited. I'm glad you found the time to be here. I see you running around on Instagram every day. From property to property, it's it's a it's a lifestyle, bro. It's a lifestyle. It's it's something you have to, you know, adjust your day to day life to. It's fun though. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Excellent. So let's start off by hearing a little bit about who you are. Where are you right now? I am in McAllen, Texas. Uh, I was born and raised in McAllen. Actually, uh, you know, some of those investors out there say that you know, invest in your own backyard sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely doing that here. I lived in San Antonio for about six years and I still have a place over there. So I just kind of come back from San Antonio and talent. Okay. So you've been investing there for how long? So I have been investing in, well, so I started in real estate when I was 17. Mm -hmm. I went to the university of Texas, San Antonio and I've always had that, you know, mindset of entrepreneurship, you know, business, you know, I want to be able to dictate how much, you know, I'm worth, not somebody else dictate, Mm -hmm. you know, how much I'm worth. And, and so I've always had that mind and it started, you know, with a, with a multi-level marketing company that uh, I was part of at an early age that helped me kind of expand my mind. And, you know, when I was in college, I got introduced to the idea of real estate investing. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, that was in San Antonio. I was up there studying. So that kind of, you know, that's where everything kind of started for me as far as real estate goes. But yeah, I don't know when you want me to dive into my story, but. <laughs> so you said you started at 17 and you started doing by doing what? Yeah. So I was wholesaling, wholesaling houses. Okay. So okay. for those of y'all who don't know what wholesaling is, is, you know, you find the motivated sellers, you find motivated owners, you know, either they're facing foreclosure, you know, divorce, behind on payments, taxes. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I would find these people directly through, you know, different strategies like door knocking, cold calling, mail you know, texting, a bunch of different things. And I would get them under contract. So I would get them under contract for a certain price, you know, low price. And I would go and turn around and pitch it to my buyer network that I was Mm -hmm. able to create by going to RIAs and stuff like that. And so I would put the two and two together and wholesale the deal and make, you know, $10,000, $15,000 on a house. You know, Mm -hmm. the average was anywhere between five to 15. And so I did that for a while, bro. I was doing that for about three years. And ever since then worked with my mentor. So I started actually working for free for him to learn the business. Okay. So I worked for free for a year and a half, like okay. no check, nothing. Like I, that's wow. not what I wanted. That's a long time to be working for free. Yeah. But you have to see it. You have to see it as more than what you could be worth right mm-hmm. at the, in the beginning, because no one's going to pay you, you know, for something that you don't know, right. You're just, you're not able to provide much value to them until you learn it, right. Until you're able to go to the house on your own and negotiate the deal and put it under contract, then you're worth the check, right? It's sales. Mm-hmm. But I had a construction job. So I had a, I was working as a project manager at a construction firm as an intern because I was studying construction. And um, that's kind of where I met my current business partner now who mm-hmm. we're doing multifamily together. But so I was okay on money. Like I was okay. You know, I was making 13, 14 bucks an hour. And then I would, after my you know job, I would go straight into real estate. I was knocking on doors. Like I, I didn't want you know, that job to take up my life, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted a way out. So I was there, I was wholesaling for about three and a half years. And um, that's kind of where, you know, we created a company and everything. I still talk to my mentors to this day, but you know, th- things got a little, like I had different goals. I had a different vision. You know, they had their own vision and, you know, we kind of decided to just go on our own. And so ever since then, I kind of, you know, sky's the limit, but so what happened next yeah. after wholesaling? How, what, what did you jump to next? Ever since, so I left the company and mm-hmm. I was about like 19, 18. No, actually I was like 20, 21. And I started wholesaling on my own thinking, hey, if I do this all on my own, I don't have to split the profits with anybody. I can make you know, the full 20,000, right? Mm-hmm. And so quickly realized you need a successful team to be able to scale. So when that happened, I got back onto finding a partner. And that's when my supervisor who was in construction, who was my like supervisor when I was interning, I, w- I showed him the business. I brought him into the real estate business and we started wholesaling houses together, just me and him. And then long story short, you know, he quickly realized that houses wasn't for him. So he took off on the multifamily route. So he started marketing to, uh, you know, apartment complexes and I was still doing houses. I was like, dude, go do your apartment thing, bro. Like, that's cool and all. I'm going to stay over here with the houses because this is where money's made. Mm-hmm. And dude, long, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't long until I hopped on with him because I saw the money he was making with apartments. So I was like, dude, how many houses am I going to have to do to get that, you know, $200,000 mm-hmm. check? Right. So it's like, it was a no brainer for me. I quit a single family about two and a half years ago. Uh, and I've been, you know, just full on multifamily now. I, you know, someone brings me a house. I don't look at it. I, I refer it out to somebody else. You know, I'm just fully focused on on multifamily deals. 
So you realized that it was a similar work, but just at a much larger scale. Yeah, right? absolutely, bro. Absolutely. So that was, you got into from single family wholesaling into multifamily wholesaling, right? Yes, yes. And yeah. is, that, is that what you still do or did you transition into something else after that? So, you know, for those of y'all who are wholesaling and stuff, you, you will always, if, if you know the wholesaling business, you can always put that cap on. You know what I mean? Like that strategy is always in your pocket whenever you mm -hmm. need it, right? And for me, it did a few things. One, it helped me, you know, analyze deals, right? I, I mean, the way you analyze a house is different from the way you analyze a multifamily property. So, you know, I got familiar with running numbers and seeing what, that meant because there's meaning behind, you know, increasing NOI and all like there's, there's, there's a different, it's a different language. So that helped me learn the business, right. And run the numbers. Number two, it also helped me get in the business, get in the game without much of my own money, you know? And since I already knew wholesaling, you know, the cool thing about wholesaling apartments is that they're drastically bigger fees because you're messing with cap rates. Mm -hmm. you know? So if you get a property at an eight cap and you can find a buyer at a six cap, you know, you're talking a huge jump and huge difference in between, you know, what someone's going to, you know, what you have it for, and what someone's going to pay for it. So you're, that's where you're talking six figure fees. And so, you know, that's kind of where we started. And then we ended up, you know, cherry picking a deal. We cherry picked a deal that made sense to syndicate and we bought it when I was 23. So you were looking at a lot of deals. First of all, uh, you were looking for them to wholesale until you ran across one that you fell in love with and you said, yeah, this one's for me. I'm keeping this one. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's just because one of those, like, I mean, I think a lot of us have this in the very beginning is you don't know what you don't know. And then you get, you know, you panic about, you know, what if I don't raise all the money or what if, you know, I didn't, you know, do the inspection properly. What if this comes up? What if this comes up? You end up not doing the deal, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have the strategies to find these off-market deals. So we were able to cherry pick one that said, you know what, dude, a very mismanaged property, like just by doing the landscaping, it will turn this thing around, you know, paint, it'll turn this thing around. So, and we also saw that they were on super low under like $200 in rents. Mm -hmm. we we're like, dude, we, we can easily rent these for more. So it was just one of those where we didn't know, you know, what the heck, right? So, but we locked it in, you know, I got the owner to sign the deal and we turned around, you know, me and my partner looked at each other like, dude, it looks like we have our first syndication. Like, let's mm -hmm. go. Let's. Who do we call? Like, let's do this, right? Uh -huh. And so we closed the deal in about uh, what forty-five days, maybe 40, 45 days. And that's where I'm at right now. Actually, our first deal in my home office. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so, and this is in, in McAllen, Texas, right? This is in McAllen. Yeah, sixteen units. Sixteen units. And <laughs> how did the whole process go? So you, you it on the contract you closed on it and then with a plan of renovating it and raising rents yep so we were going to do a full-blown reposition right you know go in there renovate units raise rents we did some exterior work landscaping we got you know a washer dryer facility installed in the complex and we got a washer and dryer company to lease the units so you know we split the profits 50 50 and so i mean they don't they'll worry about all the maintenance we got that up and running we like enhanced all the lighting on the property. It looks amazing at night. You know, some, some of the residents have pets. So we started charging pet fees, which makes a huge difference on your NOI when you add income to it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the way we found it was through, you know, off market, man. Like we, we got a list together and, you know, we started mailing. That one came from a mailer, a simple mailer. Hey, my name's Adrian. 
You know, I'm an apartment investor based out of San Antonio. We're looking to expand our portfolio into McAllen. We noticed your property on 123 Main Street. And uh, I was just curious if you'd be interested in selling. And mm-hmm. Cole and showed up, got the deal under contract, and uh, been running with it since, dude. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I was going to ask you how you got comfortable and how you get over the the hump of not having ever done it before to say, okay, I'm finally going to do it. But it makes a lot of sense to me that, I mean, you were working as a wholesaler, you were looking at a lot of deals, not just for yourself. I mean, not, not for yourself, but to pass on to other investors until you found the one that, that you loved. It's yep. very similar to a lot of brokers also do this. A lot of people get into real estate by being brokers and finding deals for someone else and until they find one that they see, okay, I've already helped a lot of people make a lot of money. Now I got to make some money it's myself. My exactly. Yeah, I mean, why do I want to keep selling good deals? <laughs> I want to start buying them, you know, like, and that's one thing when I was in, you know, when I was home selling houses is, you know, we were giving away good deals, bro. Like these mm-hmm. flippers were making 40, 50, 60, $70,000 on these flips. When it's like, dude, I mean, you know, raise a little bit of money, put some private money together, buy it, you know, do the renovation instead of just 5,000. Why don't you take a bigger risk and go that bigger route? Right. But Mm -hmm. you know, you always have to keep your exit strategy in mind as well, especially in multifamily. So it's just a different strategy, bro. It's a different strategy. And, but you know, I'm just one of those that I want to do it. Take, you know, like my partner says, two, three, you know, steps forward and Mm -hmm. then figure it out. Two, three steps forward, figure it out. Like keep, just keep moving forward. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. do anything, I mean, you're never going to be an investor. It's just yeah. like, no one's going to do it for you. Of course. You mentioned cold calling being an effective strategy for you. How many yeah, properties do you have to cold call in order to actually get one that works? I mean, in the beginning, bro, I was calling so many people, like just calling so many people online, you know, lists that I would get so many disconnected numbers in the very beginning, but I was just moving forward. Right. And by me doing that, you know, made me think of some different ways to find more accurate numbers. So the more accurate numbers I got, you know, the, the higher the chance that I was going to speak with an owner and the higher the chance I was going to get an offer sent. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was a lot of calls, like, you know, 200 calls every four days. So, I mean, it was a lot. And then I got Mojo Dialer. We started dialing like five people at once. I mean, you know, so we increased our number of calls. But I think wow. when it comes down to like cold calling is the accuracy of the phone numbers because... I mean, you know, right now that's the, my highest value activity right now, highest pain activity. But if I don't have accurate numbers, like I'm just going to be dialing and no one's going to be answering, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. be talking to the wrong people. But so yeah, cold calling is one of my favorite things to do, bro. That's how we got our second deal, our 32 unit in here in McAllen as well. Solid property built in 2000 brick, central air. I mean, updated water heaters, like solid deal. A tired landlord and uh, cold called him. I think I landed on his like, I landed the call on his mom and then his mom plugged me into wow, and that was undergoing a pretty deep renovation. So so you said you were able to reach the buyer through his mom. Yeah. Yeah. So I cold called his mom. <laughs> and how did you get his mom's number? So I have a virtual assistant that pulls and skip traces for me. So I pretty much give him like, you know, a list of addresses and he goes in there and you know, finds some owners and, and skip traces them and pulls phone numbers. So I just literally cold called numbers and I got like his mom answered and she spoke Spanish actually. So I was cold calling in Spanish this one. Wow. And then she plugged me into her, her son and her son talked to me and he was, you know, we're negotiating for like a good month maybe. 
and we finally locked the deal in. And that was the that was a good four hundred thousand dollar raise that we did. And again, we didn't know how we were going to do it. Like so, we, so this buyer they weren't interested in selling at all. No, it was not on the market. It was just you know tired landlord. You know, I got a hold of him. So it wasn't on market. You proposed the idea, and he said, "Well, maybe why not? Let's look into it." Yeah, he was like, you know, I'm. He was in a different state. He's he was in a far state, like up by New York. Uh-huh. So I mean, he wasn't here. Property was, you know, also not being taken care of fully. You know, the units were super old. The rents were five hundred dollars. Like it, it was just one of those that he was probably just he and he has more properties here. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is probably one of the first ones he wanted out of his portfolio. So you may want to reach out to him again. That, dude, he's on my call list, bro. He's yeah. on my call. He still hasn't blocked my number, so uh, <laughs> I'm still gonna keep calling him. <laughs> good, good. But, uh, so you said you raised four hundred. You had to raise four hundred thousand dollars for that one. Yeah, right. Like three fifty, three thirty. And how did you do that? So again, some of the investors that we invested with on our on the first one, mm-hmm. uh, they invested with us on this one, and uh, you know I made a few calls, and we you know I raised like a good hundred, and my partner raised the rest, the two hundred, and you know we also started a meetup, and so that meetup also helped us in San Antonio mm-hmm. be able to establish you know a footprint, and we we had the meetup, we had one every single month from February, so we started in February, actually no, we started in January, and we did it through December. So that helped a lot, man. We had like 20, 30 people showing up and then people like, you know, would stay with us after the meeting. Hey, I want to invest with you guys. Like, do y'all have anything? So, that, I mean, you got to take action. You got to go out there and put yourself out there. You know, yeah. you got you to take care of your brand as well. Uh-huh. Has social media helped you at this point to, I mean, attract people to your meetups and maybe even to raise capital? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I get so many people on social media. But, you know, one thing that I've realized is that like, everyone's just super curious. Like everyone's just curious. Right. And, you know, I've, I've spent so much time helping people trying to get started and, you know, I can only do so much, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and it frustrates me when I don't see any, like any of these people that I'm helping close a deal because, you know, one, I take it out on myself, but then, you know, it's, I'm wasting my time because they're not fully ready and fully ready to commit yet. So, but I mean, as far as Instagram, like it does help build the brand and build, you know, your credibility in the marketplace and things like that. But I mean, no, no investors, like no one who's going to send me a hundred thousand dollars from Instagram yet. But I mean, one of these days, maybe not from Instagram, but I mean, someone maybe who the first lead comes from Instagram and then yep. you meet in person you establish a little relationship or through Absolutely. them connect to someone else. Yeah. It's just it's a powerful. It's powerful. A, it's, yeah. It's a, it's an open uh, gateway to millions Absolutely. of people. Yeah. And it could be, you know, you, you, you saw me on Instagram and now I'm mm-hmm. on your podcast. Maybe one of your listeners reaches out to me. So exactly. I, mean, I understand it a hundred percent. It's wide open. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I see you doing on Instagram, actually, it's running around from, from through your properties and just uh, going through renovations. I, I was telling you, I really like seeing your, your, your before and after pictures that you post. Those, those are always yep. very, very impressive. And I'm sure you're, I didn't know that, that you had a, particular background in construction how helpful has that been i'm sure it's been pretty helpful oh yeah it's definitely been very helpful you know i've always had a passion i was little to be you know an architect designer like like builder like something with buildings i love like like i loved all that when i was little so i I chose to follow that route and i also studied construction management in at utsa i got my degree as a construction project manager and Mm -hmm. a minor in business 
So, I mean, we got introduced to scheduling, we got introduced to, you know, budgeting, you know, everything, you know, the safety of the contractors, I mean, everything, right? I mean, it's all super important. And then I got my internship. So me and my partner, my current partner, he, uh, we built a, like a $20 million property there in San Antonio. It was like a VIA bus station. So I got, you know, familiar with working with contractors, you know, how to avoid them not being like, dude, who's this 22 year old telling me what to do? You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, you got to talk to them, right? You have to know what you, what you're saying and things like that. So I, I definitely learned a lot in my internship and, um, you know, in school. But I think, I truly think that no school, no textbook, no, nobody can ever teach you construction. You have to go out and learn it mm-hmm. and you have to like really dive into, you know, construction to be able to say, oh yeah, I understand the system. Like I understand that. No, you, you can't just read a book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for those of y'all who are wanting want to be flippers and repositioning apartments and stuff, like you have to be on site, like spend some time on site to know, ask around, what are you doing? Hey, what if this happens? Right. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to learn. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So what's the current status of you, you right now? You've done two apartment projects, right? That you've purchased. What's the status of them? The first one is said stabilized and just cash flowing or are you planning on selling or what's the deal? Yeah. So we are uh, right around, we're actually focusing these next three months to have some solid stabilized, you know, income and expenses to be able to go on the market in March, April. So hope just to test it out. We want to see what, mm-hmm. what someone might be willing to pay. Right. Yeah. And there's still a lot of meat on the bone. I've gotten some, you know, some advice from other investors, you know, bigger investors to leave meat on the bone for the next mm-hmm. person. Right. Cause then you can, Still, like it's not just going to be something you're going to stand there and like hold, right? You're going to go in there yeah. and be able to tap into that. That everybody, meat on bone, yeah. Right? Everybody, when buying something, likes to see or think that they can add value in some way, absolutely. not just buy something to hold. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, there's still definitely meat on the bone. We might test the market in April, but the 32 unit we're still undergoing. We're renovating about five units a month, which is pretty intense. And so, you know, once we're fully done, we're about halfway done with the complex. So mm-hmm. this next month we're doing another five. So it gets pretty intense. And then our nine unit in far, we're doing one a month. So, I mean, it gets pretty intense. I think that's why you see me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun though. It's fun. Yeah. So you're also looking for other properties right now. You're also spending some time looking for your next project. Oh, absolutely. dude. Yeah. I have uh, my time block for, for the day, every day to, to make some calls. And again, we're sending about, you know, a thousand postcards a week. You know, we follow up with some of our, you know, leads in Podio every day. We're dropping, you know, we have newsletters sent out. We're dropping emails. I mean, we're constantly, you know, in people's faces. Mm -hmm. So when the time does come, we want to be there in their face. You know what I mean? But as far as calls, yeah, we're definitely like enhancing our cold calling system right now. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's working for us. Okay. Uh, Yeah, That's going on every day. Yeah, it seems to me you have very aggressive off-market strategies to find off-market deals, which I'm sure yeah, I'm sure it can be slow. But once you hit maybe one out of every thousand that hits, it's a, a good deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just and and that also makes you better, you know, better at you know overcoming objections throughout your negotiations and stuff. I mean, when I was door knocking, that was hard, man. I mean they could see me, they know who, who I am, mm-hmm, they know mm-hmm. how I look. Like if I see them at Target, they know that this guy was knocking on my door, you know, yeah. like a cold call is a little, you know, a little lighter, right? They don't know who you are, you're just behind a, a, you know, a phone. So, I mean, I think it's pretty convenient. And again, you know, just, it just gets you better at sales. 
and mm-hmm. it quickly makes you realize if you're good at sales or not, if that's going to be your strength or weakness. I mean, most people say, yeah, I want a cold call, I want a cold call. And then I put them on a call and then, I mean, of course it takes training, but you also have to work on yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah I'm, but, I'm sure you're a lot better now than you were when you started. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. But you also got better because there was a part of you that really, really wanted the process of yeah. getting better. Right. Yeah. You got to keep growing. I'm addicted to this, dude. Like I'm, I'm addicted. And you know, I know how the universe works. You have to put in the work. You have to, you know, surround yourself with people that are higher than you. You can't be in an environment where you have five fat friends. You're going to be the sixth fat friend. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. you hang around millionaires. You're going to be a, there's a high chance that you're going to be a millionaire as well, you know? And then you start talking like a millionaire, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when things really start taking off. Yeah. So what sort of things are you doing today that get you outside of your comfort zone and into that growth space that that you seek to be in? So I think one of the big ones is managing and making sure that all my contractors know what they're doing for the next three weeks. That's something I'm really working on right now is is just really because there's so many like there's so many things that happen in between, you know, that kind of throw me off a little bit, but then I have to go back on track. Right. So I think really one thing, one of my things is is getting better at my scheduling of my renovations, right? Because I, I, we have several. That's number one. Number two is training people. So I think I like, you know, right? And sometimes it's hard to, you know, portray to somebody who absolutely knows nothing about what I know. So really taking the time to sit down and be patient and, you know, lead is uh, something else that I'm really working on to be able to grow my business. And again, you know, delegate where it needs to be delegated. Because mm-hmm. I still catch myself doing things that, you know, are not $10,000 an hour tasks. Mm -hmm. Do you also get access to deals through brokers? Do you also have brokers that you work with or do you just use your aggressive off-market strategies? So we do both. We do, we do everything. We try to do everything. Um, You know, I firmly believe in the concept of, you know, you go off your boat and, you know, you those little slots of the fishing rods. So yes, we do, we do, you know, speak with brokers. We do, you know, tour deals, walk deals. And, you know, that serves many purposes. It allows us to, you know, establish a footprint in the marketplace in front of these brokers. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you know, maybe one of these, we're actually negotiating some deals right now from some brokers here, a larger complex. We're working an 88 unit that we're pretty close to asking price on and a 96 unit here as well that we're a little farther off, but we're still in negotiation. So of course we, you know, we're not fond of it, but, you know, we pay for what they're worth, not what a broker thinks is their worth, because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't buy based on pro formas either. Like it's, it's like, yeah, it, we could do this, but I mean, we still have to do that. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I mean, that's how that's you just got to work the market. Yeah. Work the market. Yeah, I really like the approach you're taking. It seems to me that you you don't overthink things too much, right? You, I mean, you started wholesaling, you see a deal, you you say, well, why not? I mean, it makes sense. The numbers look good. I've been doing this for a while. I've seen other people make a lot of money off of what I've brought them, so I'm going to make money off of this one. So you just get into it, but you're not you're not questioning things like, is there going to be a recession soon? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you are, but it's because you got to buy right. You got to buy right. You know? Yeah. Like. You know, and you're also buying in your in your own backyard, right? Yeah. You're buying in, in McAllen. You're right there. You're touching the assets. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. helps a lot. Yeah, and one thing uh, that one of my mentors told me when I was starting in real estate is, uh, you make your money when you buy. You just collect the money when you sell. You collect the check when you sell. So 
if you're able to buy right and buy, you know, conservatively, not be too aggressive either. I see a lot of people being super aggressive on their deals and offers. And I feel like they're being aggressive because they don't have a, a deal flow, right? They see one deal and they want to take that down. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you create deal flow? And that way you can, you know, cherry pick your deals, mm-hmm. right? And I'll not only be jump so on the good ones. Out, right. I mean, it's, but, but how bad do you want it? Like that, yeah. that's the thing, right? I mean, how, how bad do you want to do this? And yeah, for you, it probably helped that you weren't, you were doing well in wholesaling. So you weren't necessarily, you didn't need that deal. Once you found it, once you came across it, you didn't want to let it go, but you weren't desperate for it, you weren't, which I'm sure allowed you to be patient and being patient in this is crucial. You have to, you have to, bro. You have to be patient, especially, you know, when, when your goals are so big, you know, but the thing is that you know, patience is one thing and being lazy is another, you know, mm-hmm. and that they're completely different things. You know, some people say they're not doing enough, you know, but they're being patient. No, like, dude, make the calls today, like make 200 calls today and then wait for the deal. Cause I mean, the deals, these multifamily deals take 60 to 90 days to close. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to get paid for 90 days, you know? So like, that's what I call patience. Like do it now, like lock in the deals and then patiently close the deal. Right. So, I mean, again, I mean, everyone has their own kind of way of doing it, but I think like, you know, more, I want more. I just want more. Yeah. I want more. What's the, the lifetime of, of your deals? What's, what, what has that timeline looked like? Cause it seems to me that you're, you're keeping it pretty compact just probably because you've been moving so fast. As far as timeline, like when we bought and when we plan on selling. I mean, yeah, in general, like how long does it take? Yeah. Between the moment you buy to renovating and, and selling. So last January, January, 2019, we bought our 16 unit. And so dude, we ran, we hit the ground running as soon as we bought it, we hit the ground running and we reached our goals very, very quick. We had a, we have an exit on year five. Our plan, our business plan is our exit uh, Mm -hmm. for our investors and stuff on year five. But you know, it does state in there as we might reach our goal sooner. Right. And that's one thing I learned from you know, a multifamily coach is don't get emotionally attached to it. Like once you reach your NOI number, like dude, sell, right? Like that's mm-hmm. your business plan. You met it, move on. Right. And so, uh, we're, we're pretty, we're right there, man, already. So it's only been a year. It's only been yeah, a year. We're that's already that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so you, you uh, could the, pretty much sell, I mean, a few months from now and make, I mean, do, do double, good on the double. deal. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, do really good. Yeah, that's, that's, so, um, that's pretty impressive. And the 32 unit, the 32 unit we bought in July, August, and uh, we are about halfway done with unit renovations. We already enhanced the exterior. We have a few things to do on the exterior before we decide to sell or refinance. But I don't see why we wouldn't be up either, you know, in talk to refinance or sell by the end of this year. So that's a year and a half. Like they're quick, man, and and that's the thing too is. You know, if we don't get what we want, we, we, we cash flow. I mean, everyone's still cash flowing for, mm-hmm. I mean, if we don't get what we want. So, I mean, there's no motivation for us. Of course. Right? Yeah. And, you know, we've definitely been able also to get really good loans to be able to avoid any, you know, market turns and stuff, which is really important. We've got good loans on them. So, I mean, we've already increased the value by tons. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really not going to affect us that much. And this area is growing and the nine unit as well. We just bought it in December last year. So you're, you're laser focused in multifamily, right? A hundred percent. 
Yeah. And you're also, what markets are you looking at? You're, you're in McAllen, you've, properties you've invested in are in McAllen, but you said you've sent how many postcards a week? A thousand? Like a thousand. Yeah. A thousand That's amazing. I don't know if there's enough properties in McAllen to, for all those no, postcards. Definitely not. Definitely not. Unless they're getting them, you know, again, I don't just send, you know, a postcard to one owner one time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have them on a drip campaign and, you know, they, they get, they get multiple touches. But we do McAllen, San Antonio. We do McAllen, Edinburgh, maybe Mission a little bit, and then Ed, uh, San Antonio. And then from San Antonio all the way up to Austin, the I-35 corridor, uh-huh. New Braunfels, San Marcos, all of that, all the way up to like the outskirts of Austin. And then right now we're actually shifting to Corpus. So Corpus also is going to be added to our list. We do the college towns as well, you know, Kingsville, College Station. So, you know, we have active campaigns going on everywhere. But right now, our primary, primary focus is San Antonio and McAllen because okay. of the population growth. I mean, it's yeah. just, and the crime rates are really low. I mean, it's, it's, it's a solid market, solid, solid market. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure you also zone in on the property itself, probably more than in the market, right? I mean, it's, you're, you're in Texas. Texas is doing well. It's growing. I'm in Houston. It's a good market to be in, but so is Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. Yeah, it's tough to go wrong in, in one of these markets or around these markets. Absolutely, bro. But the thing is, you know, too, is that we're building something now that, you know, we'll be able to just, you know, there's, there's markets like San Antonio, like Houston, like Dallas and other states, you know, that there's other states out there that have markets similar to what we have here in Texas. So, you know, why not build something to be able to, you know, have some properties over there to be able to be recession proof if anything happens in Texas, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think big, man. So that's and, something that you're looking into as a, as a next step? Yeah, we, we want to really, you know, dive down into our systems and perfect them here. That way we can just pull a new list somewhere else and just implement the same tactics, right? Have someone on the ground over there you know, going out, seeing properties, maybe meet with a broker, something, right? Some, someone on the ground and implement yeah. our, you know, our marketing. But yeah, I mean, eventually we want deals everywhere. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's going to come with its own set of challenges, right? Because a lot Absolutely. of, I see a lot of the success you're having, I'm sure it has to do with the fact that you're there and you're running from property to property. You're talking with the contractors, you know, the crews that you have working on the units. And that's going to be one of the challenges of expanding out of state. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. I mean, you know, I have yet to have, you know, a contractor, you know, let's say steal from me or I've, I've you know, but when, when you start branching out to places that you need to hop on a plane to go to, I mean, I think the chances are a little higher on things like that happening, you know, but like I said earlier, you take one, two, three steps forward, you figure it out. I mean, two, three steps forward, figure it out. So yeah, I'm not scared of it, dude. Like, let's just, let's move. Right. Yeah. So how old are you, Adrian? 24. 24. Okay. And I ask you because I think it's important because a lot of times we use age, even, even me and myself, as, a, as an excuse as to why we're not achieving the results that we're looking for. We say, well, maybe it's too early. Maybe if I were older, people would take me seriously. But then you turn around and you see people who are 20, 22, 24 years old and are doing the things that you want to be doing in 10 years. And it just yeah. uh, forces you to rethink a lot of, a lot of your, your opinions. Yeah. And, and it's definitely, you know, been also, you know, it has its own set of challenges. You know, I mean, I go up to an owner who owns 180 units. He's like, dude, how the hell are, who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because of the rapport I'm able to build with them and, you know, experience again, now that I have, 
it, it helps, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I really don't think age is a, is a barrier. You can. It's never too late to get started. It's too, never too early to get started. Just get started. But also, yeah. you started when you were 17. So, I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, you already have seven years experience doing what you're doing. So, yeah. it's it's not when you call an owner and he says, wait, who are you? It's It may not be because of your age. It may be because you don't yet have the track record. I mean, at the end of the day, you you, you haven't bought a 180-unit apartment complex yet. Yep. But it's, but it's going to happen very soon. Yeah, I, I don't, don't worry. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, man. I mean, I think also like for those of y'all who don't have the credibility, like uh, you know, when I got started in multifamily you know, two and a half years ago, I was leveraging dude, I, my partner is this guy out of Dallas and you know he owns like 2,000 units and this is his portfolio and this is what he has. Like you want to hop on a call? Like, dude, I mean, I was leveraging. I mean, that's another mm-hmm. thing too is you have to leverage people you have to leverage things and you, you just, you make it, uh, you keep going. Yeah. Don't, don't let that shit stop you. You know, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited. I'm glad that I can keep following your journey on Instagram and Hey, let's do it. Well, hope, and, hopefully one of these yeah. days we, uh, we have some coffee and brainstorm. For right? sure, I want to get into sure. development space. Awesome. You do. So Especially. yeah. Especially. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Is that something that, why is that? I mean, just because I like seeing, you know, buildings go from, you know, ground to nothing, to something, right? So from nothing to something. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too that, you know, that I would see, you know, a, a pro for me being interested in that is, you know, knowing how the building's built. Because I've also had challenges with some of the properties that I currently have now, you know, doing some some rough, like, remembering on, you know, what they taught in construction school on where this plumbing pipe is going to go. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have floor plans, you know, I don't have any of that stuff here for these properties. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure things out is, has been a challenge, right? But I mean, you know, you, you figure it out, you bring some experience over, some experienced plumbers, experienced people over here to give you opinions. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, I, I would like the idea of seeing the building go from nothing to something and knowing exactly how it's built and not have, you know, plumbing problems, not have, you know, AC problems because you're going to put brand new ones there. So mm-hmm. things that you would see on like a 1980s, 1990s build, I don't think would be the same problems over there. But then again, I'm sure, you know, from what I know is that they come with their own set of problems. So, I mean, it's, it's I'm excited. Really, yeah, it's a different animal. It's kind of like, you know, going from single family to multifamily. I mean, it's multifamily uh-huh. to new construction. Yeah, exactly. So, some things transfer over, but a lot of the processes are completely different. Yeah, and you can build and and fully lease and lease up and sell, or do you build and lease up and hold for five to six years? I mean, there's so many different strategies. Yeah, you right? can definitely get a lot, get a lot more creative when you're developing from the ground up because you have yeah. a lot more room to work with. You have a vacant property, and and you just have to decide what you want to put on there. Yep, I would really love to. You know, I think my first you know construction development you know deal hopefully will be. You know, something that I buy, let's say, you know, 60 units or, you know, 120 units. And there's a spot on this, on this land where I could build a, you know, an additional 12. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's where like, I'll do it. No, no questions asked. Like I'll yeah. take action, take that action. And then, you know, eventually. That's, find a, land. that's a great strategy. And I actually know of a, of a broker that I work very closely here in the Woodlands that has a very similar strategy to find property. He finds cash flowing properties that have a, uh, excess acre or two acres where he can put something on there. And that way he can buy the property and be able to hold on the property if he needs to. 
while it's cash flowing, well, well the property Absolutely. is already cash flowing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a deal, a 32 unit deal in San Antonio that we wholesaled just recently that had 32 units and it had a spot for another 16 units, like perfect spot. So, you know, first thing I came to mind too is like, you know, because we started saying, how, you know, how, how do we underwrite the deal? You know, what, what exactly, what do we need to look at? What numbers do we need to plug in? And, uh, and we had to raise the money for the construction. I said, dude, why don't we just bring a builder mm-hmm. to partner with us, you know, on this deal? And he puts up all the, you know, materials and labor and he becomes a, you know, partial owner. I mean, there's so many different ways to structure it, right? Once you already have the structure there and you have some piece of land for it, mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's, let's run. Yeah, and particularly to get started, that's a, another great way to like dip your toes in the water first, and then buy a vacant property and build yeah. something there. Yeah, yeah. Damn. However, bro. However, just you just gotta you gotta do it, man. You got however it's done. I mean, there's not gonna be the right time, the right deal, the right place. Like, just go with your gut, you know. And and yeah. again, I think it's also important having a good partner, having a you know reliable, accountable partners. I mean, it's important, you know, because, you know, you can't do everything on your own and accountability is important and you got to choose your right partner. And I give it, I give a lot of my success to my current partner. So perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So let's move on to the fire round. Five quick questions to get to know you a little bit better. Let's do it. Let's do it. First question. What's your favorite place to travel to? So I, man, I went on a backpacking trip for 45 days. I think my favorite place out of the whole you know, six countries I visited was probably Thailand, an island in Thailand. It was called Koh Tao. Koh Tao. Koh Tao. K-O-H-T-A-O. And uh, that island is well known for like, like people getting scuba certified. Mm-hmm. So I got scuba certified there. And man, I, I dove in some awesome water that it was like, I can't even put it to words, you know, yeah. but I think that was my, one of my favorite places to travel to was Thailand. And China, China was pretty cool too. Any plans to Mexico. go back there soon? Yeah, I want to do a uh, a South America trip for two months. I want wow. to go dive in the Galapagos. I want to go to Peru. I want to see all seven wonders in the world by the time I'm 25. So, like by the age of 25, I want to see all one all the wonders. So, there's some wonders in South America that I need to go see in order to reach my goal. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're. I, I love traveling. Like, like love you traveling. said, it's a lifestyle. Dude, it's a lifestyle, bro. You design it. You design it. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Ooh, that one is going to be The Guardian. One of The Guardian, but with Ashton Kutcher. The Guardian. He's a Coast Guard. And I think I remember that movie. I, I think I watched it. What was it, ten years ago? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's kind of old, but dude, that movie made me want to be a Coast Guard, bro. Like, I, I mean, you tell me favorite movie. That's the first movie that comes up. To be honest, yeah. I, mean, I don't really watch movies, but. That's probably the first one I, I probably hadn't heard of that movie since it came out in theaters, but I, remember, <laughs> I do remember watching it and I do remember thinking it was a good movie, but I'm, I'm going to yeah. look it up again. Yeah, that's a yeah. good movie. Awesome movie. What's your favorite book? Uh, favorite book? Think and Grow Rich. I mean, I picked it up when I was 17. I didn't understand a word. Uh-huh. Like It was just way too complicated for my brain to process. And then I picked it back up like eight months later and I understood it a lot more and mm-hmm. behind it. And I still think that you know, I apply those principles in my life every day. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we have what we have right now, you know, think and grow rich for sure. Napoleon Hill. Yeah. I think I have, I had a very similar experience with that book. I picked it up. I don't remember the age, but at some point I picked it up and I went through half of the book, 
didn't get much out of it. But then a few years later, I picked it back up again. And it was a completely different experience. And I think he even says it in the book, like you have to be ready for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Bob Proctor says he still carries that book around, you know, and he reads it and every time he picks it back up on a different page, he learns something new. So that that's a, like, that's like a book of life. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's, it's something you always got to look at. Yeah. What's best lesson learned or advice received that you've gotten? Who I love that question. Dude. Honestly, I, you know, a lot of my uh, success has really come from me just figuring things out on my own. Like mm-hmm. I just like, you know, if I, if we need to learn a new system, I will figure it out. No matter, you know, if I need to be on YouTube for a while, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to talk to these owners. I figure things out. So the biggest piece of advice that I've had, it was for my first mentor, you know, who I still admire to this day. He told me the biggest skill, the biggest resource you can ever have is being resourceful. So like, I mean, that's the biggest skill you can ever have is being resourceful because then you don't need anybody, you know? I mean, you like, you will need, need somebody in a certain point, but you know that by you being resourceful, you'll figure out who to talk to. Like, you'll know who to talk to. Like, you'll know who to ask. You'll know what questions to ask, you know? So I think, you know, one of the biggest resources is yourself being resourceful. So mm-hmm. I, I think Robbins also has a quote for that. I just can't remember exactly how he worded it, but I hope you understand what, what that what that piece of advice is for me, bro. No. Like just figure it out. Figure for it sure. out. For sure. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for that. There's also no limitations unless you put, you know, the only limitations you have are those you put upon yourself. That's another one that, that, uh, you know, being young in, in the business, there's no limits. There's no mm-hmm. limits. So the only limitations that 22 year old has that doesn't, you know, think he can get started now. It's, it's all on his brain. It's all in his head. Yeah. Once you believe that for yourself, it's a very powerful thing. Absolutely. Yeah, but you have to believe it. Cause if you don't, then. Like one of the first chapters of Think Grow Rich. Yeah. Believe. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, lastly, Adrian, how can people reach you? How can they follow you or or find out more find more about you or your company? Yeah, Instagram is a pretty big uh platform of mine. I try to, you know, put as much out there as I can. You know, I'm also on Facebook. You know, you can email me. You can maybe if you put it in your podcast there, uh buyers.com. Um, and then we'll set up a call if you guys you know, want to hop on the phone. But Instagram is a really good platform. I, I check it pretty daily. Adrian Salazar underscore is, uh, is my tag. So Perfect. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll add it to the show notes. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, Adrian, it, it's Fired been up. a pleasure. Thank you very Thank much. You. It's been fun and very, very helpful. I, I'm sure everybody is going to follow you on Instagram and see what you're up to because it sure is yeah. interesting. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, bro. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck on the next interview. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Yeah.